0: Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Ben. Can I encourage us to not be like the world and forget? Because the news backs off on these things, and we need to be different to the world. We need to bring our brothers and sisters and keep doing this, don't we, and praying for them. We met with uh, Vlad, lots of you know Vlad, who used to come here from Romania. We met with him a few weeks ago, and I was chatting to him about how things are for them. They're right on the border, they've been getting them. And he says it's getting harder. It is getting harder because the people that came through first were the people who had wealth and money and cars and they're able to look after themselves, actually, in different nations. But now the people that are coming through are people who have nothing uh, and and are desperate. So it's actually getting harder for our brothers and sisters. So please, let's not forget them. Let's keep praying for our brothers and sisters. And then there's refugees in our city as well from all over the world. We need to be those who step out and love those people. Uh, so I, I encourage you to do that and keep praying and do what we can to love people who are on the, the outskirts. Okay. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen that program, Who Do You Think You Are? Uh, put your hand up if you've seen that. Who do you think you are? It's a great. If you've never seen it, it's really good, really interesting because basically it's a famous person who comes and, and they look at their family tree and they're finding out where they've come from, who they, tr- who they really are, and a few years ago, Matthew Pinson was on it. Do you remember the rower? Some of the youngsters might not know him. The rower, the great, one of the great rowers. Uh, well, he, he, the, in his, he was looking at his family tree and he got to this point where there was a big table and he rolled this massive scroll out down this massive table. And basically what he found out that he was related to royalty. And what the kings used to do is have to prove that they came from Christ. So he kept on going on and on and on. So... Matthew Pinson was royalty. He didn't realize at the time. He went always like, oh, I want a box of things to tell me, mum and dad. Uh, He doesn't look like royalty. He doesn't dress like them. He sounds like them. He's very posh. Um, But basically, he was descended from royalty. I wonder what your family tree would look like. Who do you think that you are? If someone asked you, who do you think you are, what would you say? Uh, I suppose another question I could ask, slightly different, is... Do you know what you're created for? Do you know who you should be? In Genesis, when God made Adam and Eve, they were made in his image, to live in the Garden of Eden. Or as we saw last week, to live in the tabernacle, the place of God's presence. And they are to work and to keep the garden. And they are chosen to save God and to display his glory to the rest of creation and to rule over it. And they are to present creation to God and God to creation. That's their job. That's their role. You see, another way of saying what Adam and Eve were meant to be, they're meant to be royal priests. Rulers who proclaim God's glory in his image, displaying his glory and they're to save him and to live and be in his presence. So who do you think you are? Is that you? Do you know if you're a Christian, you are to be royal priests, a royal priesthood. We've been working through the book of Exodus over the last few months. And God has brought his people out of Israel. Out, uh, sorry not out of Israel at all, out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage, to be his chosen people, to be his treasured possession. And God wants to display his glory to them, but also to display his glory through them to the rest of the world. We've heard that time and time again. That's what God is about. Exodus chapter 19 said this, now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenants, you shall be my treasure possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Like no one else, you are a unique people for me. You are set apart from the rest of the world. And last week we saw didn't we, that God wanted again, just like in Eden before the fall, just like then, he wanted to be amongst his people. And so we saw the pattern of the tabernacle or the plan of the tabernacle uh, that was given to Moses when he was up on a mountain. And the tabernacle or the tent would be a place where he would dwell amongst his people. I think some pictures should be coming up now of what it might have looked like. Okay, so there we are, we have the tabernacle. But as we saw, uh, God is so holy, so holy, that this tabernacle is set up in a way that God can come and be amongst the people. But because of his holiness, the people are not able to approach him. Otherwise, they will die why because of their sin because they are sinful and because he is so holy and just like adam and eve had to leave the garden because of their sin yes because of punishment but it was also to protect them from god's holiness you see we saw that the tabernacle was set up first of all if you go back to the 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 last one i showed you jimmy Right, The tabernacle was set up in this way where you had the Holy of Holies at the center which had the Ark of the Covenant in, in this place. And this was closed off to all humans by a massive veil. No human could enter this because if they did, what would happen? They would die. Because a sinner cannot come into the presence of a holy God. And then there was the holy place and then there was the out of court, the outside bit, outside the tent. And so... God comes near. The question we have is, how then do we come to God? How can we know him? How can we save him? How can we really worship him? How can we have fellowship with him? Because his holiness and our sin bar the way to us approaching him. Well, this morning we're going to see another pattern that is given or another plan that is given to Moses when he's on the mountain that allows us to have access to the most holy God. It allows us to know him. It allows us to have fellowship with him. And once again, to be called a royal priesthood. You see, the pattern actually that we're going to see is a pattern for the high priest and actually all other normal priests who will save God. And everything rests upon the work of the high priest. Otherwise, we will never have access to him. We can never have true fellowship with him. So if you've got your Bibles, open it to Exodus chapter 28. And again, these are passages that when we read them, I think we can flick over them really, really fast and think, oh man, it's just loads of information. But actually when you get down into the detail of it, it's amazing what we see and the plans that God has put in place so his people can know him. So it's Exodus chapter 28. And we're gonna read the first few verses of chapter 28 and then we're gonna flick over to chapter 29. It says this, this is God's word, remember? This is God speaking to us as we read this. Ask him to speak to your heart as we look at this together today. Verse one says, Then bring near to you Aaron your brother and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to save me as priests. Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eliezer and Ithamar. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother, for glory and for beauty. You shall speak to all the skillful whom I have filled with a spirit of skill, that they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. These are the garments that they shall make, a breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a coat of checker wick, a turban, and a sash. And they shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and his sons, to serve me as priests. And I flick over to chapter 29, at the end of the chapter, verse 44. And it says, this is God speaking again, I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar. Aaron also and his sons I will consecrate to save me as priests. I will dwell among the people of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Let's pray again. Father, We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that it is living. And Lord, forgive us when we just brush over passages like this with what seems like just lots of information. Because actually this is you speaking to us. This is you showing us who we are, who who the Lord Jesus is. So Father, help us to marvel at your heart this morning for us. Help us to marvel at your son, the Lord Jesus. And Lord, if there's not someone here this morning who doesn't know you, show them for the first time that they can know you because of Christ. And Father, I ask that you would save. So bless us, open our eyes, soften our hearts. Help us to see who you are. I pray in Christ's name, amen. Do you ever, do you ever look at people and the way that they dress, and make assumptions? Does anybody do that? I think everybody does that. Well, I was watching uh, uh, the news the other night, and uh, you all know that, um, what's it called? Glastonbury's going on, yeah? Some strange people there, isn't it, right? And two girls come on the screen, and they had massive rollers in the air, right? On the news. And I was like, I know where they're from. (laughs) Where do you think they were from? Liverpool, absolutely do here. I was like, oh, the shame. <laughs> oh, dear. They always pick out the worst. <laughs> I was joking, right? But they seemed happy anyway, right? But it's amazing, isn't it, when you can often look at a person, you can tell where they're from straight away. You can, maybe you can tell the type of music that they like by the way that they dress, the team that they support, right? How old they are, shoes and sandals. Gives your age away a little bit, that sort of thing. It? Maybe we should play that game later. <laughs> no, don't. I'm joking. It's dangerous. But the thing is, the first thing we're going to see this morning actually is the garments of the priesthood. And what, the, what they wear actually should reflect what's going on in the heart of the priest. See, chapter 28 is about the pattern that is given of these clothings of the high priest and what he will wear. And it should reflect his inward character. It should show us who he is. But as we'll see, the clothing actually doesn't represent the man that's wearing these clothes. Because the inward character of all men is sinful, impure. But the actions and the clothing of the high priest points to what he's meant to be like. Actually, he points forward to a high priest who is, will be the final high priest. The high priest is the Lord Jesus. You see, the high priest actually is the only human who is allowed access to God directly into the Holy of Holies in the, in the tent, in the tabernacle. The only human who's able to enter into God's presence and he's gone in on behalf of the people. And he's, he's representing the people to God, and the priest then will represent God to the people. And you may be thinking then, okay, well, who is this high priest? For the people of Israel in, in the wilderness or at the mountain, who is gonna be the high priest? You might think the obvious answer is Moses because actually he has been like a priest. He's the one who's been going into the presence of God for the people, but no, it's not surprisingly. It's his brother, it's Aaron. He will be the high priest, and Aaron's sons and descendants will be the priests who will work and save in the tabernacle, and they will do the daily worship, the daily ground grind of saving the people and saving God. And so what we are given here is a pattern of clothing that the high priest must wear. And when he comes into the Holy of Holies, he's got to wear these items in the exact way that God says. And if he wears these items and he obeys God and, com- and his commands, <clears throat> excuse me, then he can be in the presence of God. But if he doesn't, he will die because he's a sinful man and can't be in the presence of a holy God. A sinner cannot stand before God and live. I don't know if you've ever heard about the, oh, heard about the high priest before, but there's, there's a rumor that goes around that they used to tie a rope around his ankle. Because it, when he went in, because it was so dangerous to be in the presence of God, if he died, they'd be able to pull him out. Have you ever heard that? Well, apparently it's a myth, all right? Apparently, they never used to do that. And you can understand why that story might start, because God is so holy and we are so sinful. But the point is this. They didn't need to tie anything to the ankle. Because everything that God puts in place is enough. Is enough so that they can know him. The clothes he wears, the things that he does, actually point to the one who is enough, which will allow the high priest to go in. And so let's look at these uh, items of clothing together. We're gonna shoot through them quickly and then I'm gonna pull out a few uh, just for us. First they would wear this uh, white linen, sort of the the, the white undergarment, okay? And that that would touch the skin, basically. And then they would have the robe of the ephod, which is the blue one. And it, it was a sky blue color in reference to heaven. And then they would have the ephod, which is like the see the patterned sort of poncho thing that they've got on, right? But that was actually chequered. I don't know why they've done it like that, but it's, it was actually chequered colors. And then, um, and also on the ephod they would have two stones, two onyx stones, one on each shoulder. And then you, they would put on a ble- the breastplate, which you can see is over the chest there, right? And the breastplate would have 12 precious stones, which was laid over his heart. And then, actually, I had a little fold in it, and I had two things called Urim and, and Thummim. No one knows actually what they were, but they basically translate light and perfections, and they, they think they were used for receiving revelation from God. And then, they had the turban on the head, but you see the gold plate there, or some call it a golden crown. They would put that on over their head. I want to just pick out three things from these clothes, just to help us to see the importance of why they put them on. The first I wanna pull out is the stones. You see, the stones were really important. The two onyx stones on their shoulders. First of all, they, they would have uh, the names of the tribes of Israel on them. So six on one and six on the other. And as he went in, As he went in with these onyx stones on, they were there for remembrance. Remembrance for God, before God. As he comes in to the presence of God, God remembers these are his people. These are the people he has redeemed for himself, the people that he loves, the people who are the treasure of his heart which takes us to the breastplate stones. These were 12 stones, with one of each of the names of the Israelites on them. And as the high priest comes into the presence of God, he's saying, these are the people that are on my heart, and I am representing them before you, God. They are the treasure of the high priest. And as he stands and intercedes for the people before God and pleads for them and represents them, He does it because they're on his heart. And by carrying all the people therefore, he's made himself responsible for their entrance into the presence of God, so that they can have fellowship with him, so that they can know him. And just like last week with the tabernacle, these sort of items, all these items, are all things that point to something and someone greater. They point to the great high priest, a better and perfect priest, high priest than Aaron could ever be. And it's the Lord Jesus. Hebrews chapter 9 says this. By the way, if you've got your little page, you might want to write down because there's quite a few little passages that are really helpful. Go and read Leviticus along with this. Go and read Hebrews along with this really helpful books to help you understand. But Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24 says, For Christ has entered, not into the holy places made with hands, which are copies of true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Christ is in heaven interceding for you and for me. And why? Why is he doing that? It's because we as his people are on His heart. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? You are on the heart of Jesus today. You are his treasured possession, who he has won for himself. And this points us to the next item of clothing I want to point out, and it's the golden crown, or the plate on his head. Look at chapter 28, verse 36. It says, You shall make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it like the engraving of the signet, holy to the Lord. And you shall fasten it on the turban by a cord of blue. It shall be on the front of the turban. It shall be on Aaron's forehead. And Aaron shall bear any guilt from the holy things that the people of Israel consecrate as their holy gifts. It shall regularly be on his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. So this crown that he has on his head says holy to the Lord and actually again the translation of this means that actually it's pointing to the character of the man who's wearing the clothes. It's pointing to character of Aaron saying that he is holy and so for that reason can stand before God on behalf of the people in seeking repentance and acceptance for the people. But what's the problem? What's the issue? Aaron is not holy. He's not holy. He's a sinful man. In fact, as God is sharing this information with Moses on the mountain, do you know what's going on? Aaron is at the bottom of the mountain and he's building idols for the people to worship. He's already breaking the commandments of God. How can he wear a crown saying a royal crown even, saying holy to the Lord? Look at verse. Uh, turn over to chapter 29 and verse 10. This is what God said He has to do. You shall bring the bull before the tent of meeting. Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on the head of the bull. Then you shall kill the bull before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and shall take part of the the blood of the bull and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger, and, and the rest of the blood you shall pour out at the base of the altar. And you shall take all the fat that covers the entrails and long lobe of the liver and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them and burn them on the altar. But the flesh of the bull and its skin and its dung you shall burn with fire outside the camp. It is a sin offering. You see, Aaron, before he was able to serve as the high priest, had to make a sacrifice for his own sin. Before he could enter the presence of God, someone had to pay the price for his sins in order for him to be seen as holy to the Lord and so could intercede for the people. But as he comes into the presence of God, what does God see? As God reads these words, as he reads holy to the Lord, what does he see? He sees Jesus. Even before Jesus is born, he sees Jesus. Hebrews 10 says this, verse 11. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made his footstool for his feet. For a single sacrifice, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Jesus' sacrifice upon the cross covers Aaron's sins retrospectively. The bull sacrificed, uh, that Aaron had to sacrifice pointed to Jesus' greater sacrifice, the sacrifice of all time. And Jesus is the Holy One of the Lord. Jesus is the Holy One of the Lord. You see, Aaron could stand as a sinner in the presence of God because Christ had died for his sins. And because Christ had died for all the people of Israel, they can then be accepted by God. And they can approach him, for he will forgive their sins because Jesus dies for their sins. And it's the same for us too. He has paid the price for our sins prospectively. He died to pay the price for our sins even before we'd thought of sin, even thought we'd, before we'd done anything, even before we were born. Christ died for all our sins and it's enough. He is enough. Jesus Christ's sacrifice is enough and we are now seen as holy to the Lord and we are will be like that for all eternity and we can live in his presence for all eternity. Does that not thrill your heart? Look at the next few verses in Hebrews 10, from verse 15. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds, then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. That's why we don't need to make offerings anymore, because He is enough. And so Aaron is accepted. The people of Israel are accepted. We are accepted because Jesus is our great and perfect high priest who didn't need to pay the price for his own sin, but pay the price for our sin. He is holy to the Lord. And so when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. And so the final piece of clothing I just want us to focus on this morning actually is something that you couldn't see on that picture. It was the undergarments, the underpants. They wear like underpants. Look at uh, chapter 28, verse 42. And this is not just for the high priest, this is for all priests. You shall make for them linen garments to cover their naked flesh. They shall reach from the hips to the thighs, and they shall be on Aaron and his sons when they go into the tent of meeting, or when they come near uh, the altar to minister in the holy place, lest they bear guilt and die. They shall be the statue forever for him and for his offspring after him. You see, Israel were going to go about to enter, or they should be about to enter, uh, the land of Canaan. But this land was full of uh, idol worship, cults, evil practices. And these practices were actually performed in the name of false gods. And many of these practices of worship revolved around sexual impurity. And this sort of behavior was an abomination to God. And besides, Israel are to be a holy nation, set apart. And so they are to be a pure people who reflect their God. And they're to be pure in their approach to him, pure in the way that they serve the one true living God. You see, they are to be a people of purity and beauty, and that's what the undergarments were saying. You're to be a people who are different to everybody else you to be a people who bring glory to God and not bring the name of God down. They are to be separate from sinners. And this is what the clothing of the priesthood was all about. Glory and beauty. It says in verse 2 and verse 40 of 28. And we see ultimately that glory and beauty is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why he never needed to sacrifice for himself. Because he is glorious. He is beautiful to God. He is a better high priest. And he, he entered the holy place of God and, he, and the throne room of God. He entered to heaven as the holy one. He entered the presence of God like no other man could enter the presence of God. Confidently. There's a guy called Campbell Morgan. He's an old reverend from hundreds of years ago. He says this He was the the first man to enter into the perfect light of heaven in the right of his own holiness. Heaven had never received such a man. On that ascension day, there came into heaven a man who asked for no mercy, he was pure spotless, victorious. He came into the light of heaven and caused no shadow there. He is glorious and beautiful to God. And so we can be glorious and beautiful to God. And I don't know, you would have said before, and it says in verse 1 and 40, that Aaron's sons actually would step alongside him as the high priest. They would serve alongside him. And so they also should reflect his glory and beauty as high priest, as we should. Those of us who know Jesus our Lord and Savior are to be set apart, are to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I think you know this passage well, 1 Peter 2. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy You see, we are to be a priesthood. We are to look to Jesus, our great and better high priest, and stand alongside him and reflect him in his glory and beauty. And we're to be separate from sinners because that is not who you are anymore. When I ask you who do you think you are, if you know Jesus, you are not a sinner. But you are a royal priesthood. But how can we be? How can we become and how can we be this royal priesthood that we're called to be? Well, the next two points uh, should help us with this. We've seen the garments of the priesthood. Now we see the creation of the priesthood. You see, chapter 28 points completely to Christ and magnifies Christ. Go and read it, go and study it and see how wonderful God is forgiven as Jesus. But now we get to chapter 29, and it points to how we are able to be a priesthood under Christ's priesthood. As we see the consecration of the priests, and so they are able to serve God and then do the things that he's called them to do. You see, there are four main things that, they, that need to happen for these men to be consecrated as priests. First, they are to be washed, Chapter 29, verse 4. This is a complete washing of the body with fresh water from head to toe. And this is to be a sign that they're cleansed. And so they are ready to serve God. And then they are to be robed. They are to put on the clothes. The high priest puts it on. Priests have their own clothing. Verse 5 and 6 and 8. The high priest is robed to be set apart. But then his sons are robed too because they are different. They are set apart two and then there's an, an anointing verse 7 Aaron is anointed as high priest with the anointing oil and it and he is set apart as royalty like a king and to save in righteousness And then there's the cycle of sacrifices. We have the sin offering, and then we have the burnt or food offering, and then there's the the wave or fellowship offering. And actually when you look at these four things that happened, only one of them can be associated with Jesus. And that's the anointing. It was the kings who were anointed, the royalty that were anointed, and Jesus Christ is the anointed one. That's what his name means, the Messiah, the anointed one, God's royal king. But actually, all four of these point to us as believers of Christ. First, the washing. I want to go back to Hebrews chapter 10 and read again. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that... that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean and an evil conscience, uh, from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. We have been cleansed as Christians. We have been washed completely from our sins. By the blood of Jesus. His sacrifice has made us clean. And so now we can come into the presence of God knowing that we are cleansed. Knowing that he doesn't see us as sinners anymore. Knowing that we are washed clean. And so because we are washed clean, then we are robed. We've been robed with his righteousness. Imputed righteousness, it's called. It's his righteousness placed upon us. It's a wonderful truth. When you think of what you are like, and yet God doesn't see you like that. He sees you as right. You are robed in Christ's righteousness. When God looks at us, he sees holy to the Lord. I nearly did a there and went, Amen. <laughs> it's true, we should be shouting amen to that. We've been robed in his righteousness. He has made us a kingdom of priests. Revelation 1 says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom of priests, to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We are robed in his righteousness. And because of that, we are anointed. We have been anointed. We are set apart as royalty. Can you believe you are royalty? You don't need to roll out a scroll to tell you Jesus has made you royalty, anointed you as one of his royal priesthood. Fourthly, the sacrifice. Because of the sacrifice, we enter into a relationship and service for him. Giving our whole lives in serving him. Not by what we've done. There is nothing you can do, friend, to earn your own righteousness before God. But you don't need to. Because a sacrifice has been made. An all-sufficient sacrifice The saving work of the Lord Jesus shed his blood upon a cross so that you can be seen as right before him. He is the only and final sacrifice. That's why we're not killing goats and stuff like that and bulls today. It's because we don't need them. It's because we have Jesus. He is a better sacrifice. Let me read one Peter to you again. But you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous lights. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. He has created us to be his royal priesthood. We stepped out of that but now we are recreated in Christ so that we can live as his priesthood. And that's our last point this morning, living as a priesthood. You see, there's two things here this morning. We need to see that we, we live in faithful fellowship and faithful service to him. Faithful fellowship. You see, Aaron and his sons actually accepted what God called them into And we know that because they sit and they eat the sacrifice. They eat the fellowship and have fellowship with God. You know, when we come to this and we eat and we take communion together each week, what are we doing? We are proclaiming Christ and what he has done for for us. We're proclaiming the wonderful truth of the gospel, the shed blood of Jesus in a broken body upon a cross. And we walk in fellowship with him every time that we do that. And then Aaron and his sons then spent seven days in privacy with God. And we are to do the same. We're to stop. We're to listen to him. We're to spend time with him. We're to pray. We're to read his word, listen, soak it in, meditate on what he is saying to us. And then live out as his priests and walk in fellowship with him daily. Not just when we come around this. But what does it really mean for us to be in fellowship with him? What does it look like? Well, we have, at the end of chapter 27 and in chapter 30, there are two short passages. And, oh, actually, before we get to that, sorry, I'm skipping ahead, I want to tell you about something else. In chapter 29, turn to chapter 29, I want to show you a, a weird passage, what you might think, but it's chapter 29, verse 19. And as you read this, it might be a bit strange, but actually it does show us how we're to be in fellowship with God. You shall take the other ram. This is the fellowship offering. And Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on the head of the ram. And you shall kill the ram and take part of its blood and put it on the tip of the right ear of Aaron and on the tips of the right ears of his sons, and on the thumbs of their right hands, and on the great toes of their right feet, and throw the rest of the blood against the sides of the altar. Then you shall take part of the blood that is on the altar and of the anointing oil, and sprinkle it on Aaron and on his garments, and on his sons and on the, the son's garments with him. He and his garments shall be holy, and his sons' garments with him. You see, to take the blood of this fellowship offering, to put it on the lobe, on the right thumb, and on the right big toe. And you might think, oh, that's weird, that's strange, but what's it saying? Actually, what it's saying is here is that as his people who have seemed set apart, we are to be in fellowship with the Lord and Savior who has shed his blood for us, and we need to let him be Lord of every area of our lives. We let the Lord be. Let him be Lord of the things that we do. We let him be lo- the Lord who directs us and takes us on the paths of what, uh, of what he would have us walk. We let him be the Lord that we listen to, that we obey daily, opening up his word, getting to know him. And we do that because Christ gave his all for us. So we must be in fellowship with him and let him be Lord of our whole life. And then we are ready to save him as a royal priesthood. I'd encourage you this morning to ask the Lord to search your heart. Is there an area of your life where he does not have lordship? Come to him. Ask him to be lord of your life. Maybe it's for the first time. Ask him to be lord of your life because he gave his life for you. And if there's an area in your life where he doesn't have lordship, come to him afresh today. and Say, Lord, own me because I belong to you. You see, we have faithful fellowship. And when we have faithful fellowship with him, then we can faithfully serve him. What does it look like to be a faithful serving priesthood? Well, chapter 29, verse 38 shows us that it is the daily grind of faithful service to him. Do you know the priests had to make sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice? It would've been hard work, it would've been bloody, it would've been horrible. But it was the the muck of life. Faithful service to God. Proclaiming the excellencies, pointing to what Christ has done. Proclaiming the excellencies of uh, of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Daily sacrifice to acknowledge what God has done. That's exactly what it is for us to be his priesthood. A daily laying down of our lives before Him. It is setting our affections on Him daily. Why? Because He sets His affections on you while you were still sinners. Setting your affections on Him daily. We're to dress ourselves in, in His beauty, His glory, the glory of the Son through faithful worship in all areas of our lives. You see, chapter 28 and 29 as I said before, have these two passages, one at the, just before it, one just after. The first one is the continual lighting of the lamps for the priest. Every day, morning and night, keep the light lamp, keep it lit, keep it lit. It never goes out. At the other end, chapter 30, it was the continual lighting of the incense that goes up to God and a pleasing aroma to him continual service continually doing that you see these verses tell us to do faith what to do faithfully for his glory we are to display the light of the gospel that's what we do as the priesthood as a church we display the light of the gospel to the world and we continue to do it until he comes again until it's enough to display Jesus to the world, He is the light of the world, and we're to reflect Him as His people. We are a royal priesthood to the world, and we do that as well by praying. Like the incense going up to God, or like prayers, the smells going up to God, and we come and we bring and we intercede for the people and we pray. Don't give up hope. Pray for people who are lost. Because, you know, when you do, it's a sweet aroma to God. He wants to save people. Through proclaiming and through the praise of his people, he works. You see, this is what it looks like to save faithfully. Maybe it's something we can unpack in our GCs this week. What does it practically look like for us individually, but as a church, to be a priesthood for God so that the world sees who we are you see how is your fellowship with him how is your fellowship with him be honest i mean he knows what it's like none of us has perfect perfect fellowship with him we know but where is your heart before god how is your service before him are you making much of jesus do you long to see jesus name proclaimed ultimately who are you Who do you think you are? Listen, if you haven't come to Jesus, if you haven't asked him to be your Lord and Savior, you haven't you asked him for forgiveness of your sin, to be Lord of your life, you will never, never know him. You will never be with him. You will always be outside of the tent. You will never be able to come into his presence. And you will go to a lost eternity without him. The Bible is very clear on that. But if you call on him today, if you repent of your sin, put your trust in what Jesus did on the cross, the final sacrifice, if you come to him today, you can know him personally and you can walk into his presence with holy to the Lord Not because of anything that you do, but because of what he has done upon a cross. Why wouldn't you come to him? He's given everything for you. You might have been sitting in these pews, or it'll only be for a year or so, but you might have been coming to church all your life. That doesn't matter. Is Christ your Lord? Are you holy to God? If you know him, take this with you. You are a chosen race, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that gets me that one, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. A royal priesthood. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our great high priest. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he is enough. Thank you that he is better. And Lord, thank you that, in fact, we marvel at the fact that we have been called and set apart. And we are now a royal priesthood. And you look at us and you see holy to the Lord because you see Christ. Oh, Father, we marvel at Jesus this morning. And we thank you for him. Amen. We're going to continue to just think about what that sacrifice meant. And we're going to eat bread together and we're going to drink some juice together. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord, please let it pass. But think about that sacrifice, what Jesus has done for you. If you do know Jesus, take this with thankful hearts. Let me read from Hebrews 10 again, just to help us set our minds on what Jesus has done. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Let's eat and drink and be thankful.